Stoppers. Here we are, Division One Rejects. Kobe Manzo, Tyshawn King's back with us in a new face in the studio, the dorm room. It's Jimmy Martin. What's going on, Jimmy? Happy to be here. How are we feeling? Feeling great. I it feels little, good. Uh, feels good to have uh, have the boys in here. It's a much better environment. Yes, Sirski. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about it. We've got uh, two great guests today. Like I said, we got Jimmy joining us, but... Um, after that, we'll be joined soon by Bryant Keith, who's a junior wide receiver at Northwood University here in the GLIAC. Jimmy, you've got a little sports pod of your own. I do. In fact, it's the uh, M&M Sports Podcast. So the M&M, so it's Martin, Ninnis, Mebronicles. And the Ninnis, Mebronicles are my two buddies. They, there you uh, go. Go to Iowa and Indiana, respectively, the uh, Hawkeyes and the Hoosiers. Oh, a little long you know, distance pod. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do it over Zoom. You know, we, uh, we're... Still uh, starting off. We have two episodes so far, but... Uh, Romantic. We're looking to grow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Up podcast. <laughs> looking to grow. Yeah, where can they find you? Uh, we're on Twitter. It's in my Twitter bio, at Eminem Sports Pod. Uh, there you go. We're, on, we're also on Spotify. There you go. Big so, time. Yeah. Are you on Apple Podcasts? You're not an Apple Podcast. Oh, you, you, gotta, get on you can do that through Anchor. Yeah. yeah. We that, we're on Anchor. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yep. so you can do that yep. through Anchor. You'll get that set up. But as far as the NFL conversation goes today, a lot of line stuff. Former wide receiver Kenny Galladay gets a 40-year deal with the Giants, but... On the plus side of things, you just signed Rams defensive end Michael Brockers to a three-year deal, and uh, we're going to look forward to Detroit has their eyes on with that seventh pick in this year's draft. Now, Brockers coming from the Rams when he said all that stuff about Stafford being a level up from Jared Goff. That's just, I mean, especially right now, we kind of got out of this free agency period. All of the news was here, here, here. Like, everything was going on. Now we hit this little bit of a dead period, right? So that's just been every news headline as far as Detroit media outlets go. Is like, oh, it's going to be awkward when Michael Brockers, and like, Come on, like these dudes have been teammates, they're professionals, they're grown men. We'll talk about it later, but I'm, I'm not really buying into that too much. Otherwise, in the NFL, the NFC East is back. We'll look at the moves that the division has made so far this offseason. Basically, every team, I'm trying to think that the Eagles might be the exception as far as making some pretty big moves this uh, this offseason because the Eagles still can't promise Jalen Hurts his starting job. Crazy. Criminal. Laughable. Yeah, and they, they, they signed Joe Flacco today. You see that? Isn't that unreal? Yeah. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts had looked really good this exactly. last year. Exactly. When you know? he got his opportunities, he oh, made yeah. the most of them. So oh, yeah. just that organization right there to me is like right up there with the Texans as far as being inadequate and just like not performing at a high level. So we'll see about that. Um, college football-wise, we do have one big headline today, and that was an announcement that came last week that the Black College Football Hall of Fame will host the first ever HBCU Legacy Bowl to showcase draft-eligible players from the historically black colleges and universities. So we talked about Jackson State last week. Deion Sanders is the head coach there. They just had a huge win over Grambling State, who has dominated that level of FCS football. That was their first home loss in four years. So that was a huge win for Deion Sanders, showing that that team's the real deal. But um, a lot of conversation around the HBCUs recently, which is great. I think that's absolutely awesome because that used to be um, – I say used to be, I'm talking like – you know, mid-1900s, whatever. That used to be, like, dominant football. But then the Power Five started to come in, and um, once they actually opened up to a lot of those students, that the money and the funding and all that really just started to separate a lot of those schools. So it's great to see. Um, but otherwise, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, because Division One Reject is on Apple Podcasts. You can find us pretty much wherever, Spotify, Overcast, Anchor, Breaker, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. But you don't Real have what? to. If you don't like the podcast, don't give us a rating, because I You'll don't want it. any bad ratings. All right, if you like the podcast, I'd appreciate it. If you don't, just stay away from the ratings because I don't want to hear about it. Tell your friends to check us out. Follow us on Twitter at D1 underscore Rejects and on Instagram at Division One Rejects. We drop new episodes there, links to them, and you'll catch the highlights from our conversations with our guests. 
But first, our guest on today's episode is a junior wide receiver at Northwood University, a man who once made an appearance on the Sports Center Top 10 with an insane touchdown t- catch last year against Tiffin. It's Brian Keith. What's going on, Brian? How are you? Hey, what's going on, man? Appreciate you having me on here. Appreciate you coming on. I know you probably get asked this a million times, but the reaction from you about the Sports Center catch, what was that like, dude? You know, it, it was kind of like so bittersweet because you grow up watching Sports Center and you know, seeing everybody getting on that big show and then, yeah. you know, even going to a smaller school and then getting that recognition from that and all the support from, like, my hometown, my family, and my teammates, man. It was it was really cool. It was really awesome. And I was really humbled by it, too, just to see how much support I really had. Yeah, that is sweet. Like, people coming out and uh, kind of embracing all of that. Um, that was against Tiffin. Was that, like, one of the first games of the season out of conference? Yeah, it was actually uh, week one, game one. It was my go. first college catch, actually. No way. First yeah, college so, catch, I mean, end up on Sports Center, like absolutely moss the dude over the back. Were you down on the one? Yeah. It looked like it was pretty close. Um, they called it a touchdown, but when, <laughs> when you slow it down, I was down on the half yard line. No, that's so, the wrong they, answer. You say you score. You could <laughs> cross the pylon, oh, man. No. Hey, I scored, man. That's all that matters. <laughs> I got my six points, no review in D2, so I'm going to take my points. Uh, that's true, yeah, the no video review. They've even started to do that in the uh, the high school state championship games. I know when I was there yeah. covering it um, two years ago now, that was the first year they started using it. I don't know if that's going to make its way to our level or what. That'd be super weird to be honest like having a little time out for a, for a replay but yeah, i guess we'll see man are, are you a big spike ball guy i saw there were some guys out in the field at uh northwood playing the other day oh uh, yeah uh the freshman boys were out playing uh on the field yesterday but we were actually playing over at our apartment complex as well there you go i'm gonna have to challenge those guys like drew and jay yeah, oh yeah boys, oh yeah you guys any good or what Oh yeah, me me and my buddy noah uh and parker as well the two guys i usually play with we okay. uh we play really well together so and they're they're talking like they're they're something special. So we're gonna, to, <laughs> we're gonna have to see what's up and challenge them. Yeah, I was ripping on it because you know you're playing on turf. I was like, you may as well be playing in the parking lot. We got the beaches up here. We're playing on. It's like we're spoiled as far as uh, oh, as yeah. far as all that goes. Um, but what's going on football wise there? As far as getting out and practicing, how often are you guys out on the field or inside? Are you uh, inside still at this point? Uh, no, we've been we've been outside lately. Okay. Um, I know I know Friday we're planning on going back indoors, but we've. We've been out three times a week um, practicing. We were supposed to scrimmage Saginaw last week. Uh, that got canceled for something uh, on their side. Yep. So we just did a little something inner squad this weekend. Uh, it's also planned to scrimmage Davenport, but you never know. Okay. Uh, it's kind of up in the air. We're not banking on it, but we're. I mean, we're hoping just to get out and compete. But yeah, of if course. not, then we'll probably end up doing some inner squad stuff again. So good stuff. Yeah, I know Saginaw was supposed to have Hillsdale uh, two weeks ago, and then same deal. Like they had something on their side that kind of, um, you know, prevented that from happening. We were actually supposed right. to have their head coach on the pod last week. That fell through, unfortunately. But I was looking forward to that. We had a D line coach from Davenport. They went down to Gannon, and I think won that game. Um, which yeah, counted as an actual game for Gannon's spring really? schedule. Yeah, but it did not count for that. I don't know how they they figure all this stuff out because Hillsdale's uh, Saginaw Valley would have been the exact same thing. Since the GMAC's having a spring schedule, it would have counted as an official game for Hillsdale, but not for Saginaw Valley. So I don't, I, I cannot imagine Weird. the amount of stuff that goes through like figuring all that crap out. But I would assume if Davenport went down to play Gannon, like you guys would actually have a chance to scrimmage. So that's good. Um, practicing right, three yeah. times a week. I'm assuming then you're testing, what, three times a week then, too? Yep, testing three times a week because we're supposed to compete, so that's kind of the protocol, Yep, three, four times a week. So, How has that been? Surprisingly so enough, 
No, it's not been so bad. Surprisingly enough, we've been our team's been a hundred percent with testing, no positive cases. There so we've go. been rolling, man. That's been the same oh, yeah. thing with us, um, as far as the spring goes. And I was like, you know, it kind of almost feels like a fluke. Like I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting for something to pop up. Yeah, especially yeah. like, I know we're doing the instant tests. So are, is that kind of what you guys are doing too? Yeah, like the fifteen minute ones or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. 10, minutes. And so I'd always heard about these these stories of false positives with these tests. So I'm just yep. sitting here waiting waiting for someone to pop positive, and then the whole football program goes through that that weird ripple effect. So thankfully, yeah. you know, knock on wood here, but um, we have not had to deal with any of that. Hopefully you guys do not either, and you can get that scrimmage in with Davenport. But you're a third-year guy in the program. You've seen some people come and go. Now you guys just lost defensive backs coach Antoine Robinson and Eli Reinhardt. I didn't really know about that until just last week. Um, he's off yeah. to Central. So that's a personal one for you, obviously. In the last couple months, you lost both those guys. What has that transition been like for the team? You know, I mean, it's a bummer seeing seeing guys like that leave, but uh, you know, better opportunities definitely with Coach Eli. I mean, I was really yeah. close with Coach Reinhardt, and uh, he's moving up the the ladder as a young coach, going up to a Division One. But for mm-hmm. us, you know, I mean, it just start. It, it almost starts over, but not really. I mean, we got we got another guy in here, uh, Coach Mason, actually, uh, okay. Whiteout Tech. If if that rings a bell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the social media, I got but, you. Yeah, so he he's actually was the assistant wide receivers coach for us and we're planning on well I'm hoping we hire him to a full time spot because I mean that guy is just phenomenal. There you go. Um really taught me so much in the short amount of time I've had him. So I mean it sucks losing Coach Reinhardt. He was an offensive genius. Uh thankfully we got a lot out of him before he went. Yeah. Um but I mean uh wide receiver wise, I mean we're not losing too much ground with Coach Mason being there because that's good to hear. I mean that guy's that guy's just crazy to every Good technique. Stuff. It's wild. There you go. Yeah, I got to get Ryan out on the podcast sometime. I know he follows it, so I uh, hopefully yeah. can swing that. But um, Wideout Tech, he's worked with some some top talent too, right? I want to say I've seen some him working with some pretty high-profile guys. Oh, yeah. He, he uh, works with, like, uh, DPJ, KJ Hamler. There you go. Uh, Tyler Conklin. A whole bunch of other guys that are at uh, the Division One level now. That I'm not really even sure, like, some Jackson State guys. He's been tweeting at a couple of those guys. But, I mean, he's got a lot of big names. Oh, yeah. I mean, he knows the stuff. Yeah, we've been talking a lot of Jackson State. I know today we're going to talk a bit about the uh, – they just announced that HBCU Legacy Bowl. So there's been a lot of a lot of really good press around the, uh, the HBCUs, HBCUs, excuse me. So I am uh, really excited to talk about that. But um, I wanted to know because I saw you guys pretty much have a whole new weight room after the flooding and stuff that went on just last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so – um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. I just want to know what that was like, like brand new weight room for you guys. I mean, the third year for you. So you had kind of gotten used to the, you know, the facilities and the flow of everything. What was that like? Just like, um, obviously yeah, so, a lot of trauma that caused that to happen, but I mean, shoot, yeah. now you're taking advantage of it, I assume. Right. So the weight room wise, I mean, it, it's kind of like the same structure. Like it, it was nice, but I okay. mean, it definitely could use some upgrade, but once the flood came in, I mean, that was one of the top priorities second to the basketball court. Really? Okay. Um, but yeah. Now a whole new floor, a whole new uh, lifting pads and new weights and everything. And it's been phenomenal. I mean, I've been blessed because even my freshman year coming in here was the first year we got our new turf field. Really? I mean, I'm just blessing after blessing, right. getting all this new stuff. We could use we could use uh, some uh, some new, new turf up here, Ty, couldn't we? Yeah, we definitely uh, got to yeah, get rid of the carpet. <laughs> the carpet burn, Dude. man. It's unreal. <laughs> No doubt. My first snap in college was actually up at Northern Michigan at a five-yard <laughs> pitch, and I actually ate. <laughs> ate it man just spit it 
I don't know if it was the turf or if I was just too excited or a oh, little bit dude, of Oh, dude, I guarantee but. it was a lot of the turf, man. I mean, hey, I'm not going to sit here and rip, but um, I think we've been scheduled to get some new turf for a while. Um, and it's mm-hmm. the way they do it, they have it rolled up um, at certain times so they can do some track and graduation and other things in the dome because obviously you want to use that venue for other events. But, um, right. man, do we we need it bad. I want to say, was your guys, like, the field was under, what, like four to, to seven feet of water at one point during that flooding? Yeah, actually, uh, what was crazy is I saw, like, an aerial picture. Yeah. And it looked like the water hadn't touched the field, and I was super excited. Uh-huh. But come to find out, the water was actually under the turf, and the field was actually floating, like, Are you six, seven, eight feet of water. Yeah, it was wild. Oh, um, god! So we had a lot redone with it, and it, it's, it's great. I mean, there's no real real any lasting problems with it i mean they got it all fixed and everything but it was crazy because i was like wow like the flood just didn't want to touch the field i mean that's the football <laughs> god saying something and then come to find out uh, eight feet of water underneath it i've never heard of that insane. i mean i had like yeah. i've seen before i had a game where it was just pouring rain and you got these big bubbles almost under the turf oh yeah yes yeah, so you ever seen stuff like that like they had to delay the game because you can tear the turf up like that it gets real bad right so I mean, I've never seen anything that extreme, though. That's absolutely wild. Um, no, your awful. Is your weight room connected to that? Um, well, the indoor facility, is that like, what is it, like 60 yards, in that, the indoor portion? Yeah, it's about 65 yards, and then we have like an go. additional like 15, probably 15 yards uh, beyond in the end zone where our O-line and D-line tend to work. Well, but, that's uh, awesome, dude. That's perfect. Yeah. There you go. Is the weight room connected to that, like right next to it, or? Uh, it's not, like, directly connected, but, I mean, it's probably, like, a minute walk. Like, That's perfect. Like 20 oh, yeah. It's like our locker room is right in between our indoor facility and our weight room. There so you go. Just, everything's just right there. Yeah, good stuff. I, I just realized, like, I never visited, so I didn't get, really get to see um, too much of that, but that sounds like a pretty solid setup. Now, um, from what I've heard from some of those, some of the guys there, it sounded like, obviously, with COVID and the extra year, year of eligibility that all these teams are dealing with, I mean, Northwood mm-hmm. – this is like, you know, good, bad thing, whatever. But like a lot of these guys get job opportunities after four years of being in school, five years of being in school, whatever. So yeah. is that going to uh, play into the amount of seniors that come back this year? Or are you going to have a lot of guys kind of pursue those job opportunities in those careers? No, I mean, it's just all up to question and how how good are the job offers you get. I mean, is yeah. it worth giving up a year of eligibility? That's kind of like a dilemma I'm going to end up facing after this next year because mm-hmm. me personally I didn't redshirt my freshman year okay so my graduation plans was always four years you know so yeah. now having this fifth year I mean I would love to play every year of football I can but if I have these job opportunities coming through that aren't going to wait for one more fall you know yeah you never know mm-hmm. it's just it's just I'm conflicted but I mean I would love to play all my years of football like I'm here to play football I'm here to get my degree why not do both? I mean, of course, dude. Yeah, if you have the opportunity so. to, you may as well. Now, what are you going into right now? Uh, supply chain management. Supply chain management. Good stuff, dude. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah, I know. I've always talked to at least like Drew and all those guys about that. And like the opportunities guys get straight out of college, um, salaries aside, like working with the the companies and like the the stature of that, like the resume builders and all that stuff. Man, it's absolutely unreal. I'm sure that had a huge yeah. uh, piece to play in you wanting to go there. Oh yeah, big time, man, big time. Um, now on the other side of that though, a lot of schools get screwed on this because they have maybe almost all of their seniors. I know like for us, I want to say a good amount of our seniors are coming back as far as whoever is eligible, right? Yeah. I don't, do you know anybody that's been like, no, and like just left or I think I met one like safety or something that said he was, I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but I don't know nobody that left. 
Yeah. So I know we're returning a lot of guys that have that extra year of eligibility. So for our coaches, like obviously that means money's a little bit tight. And I know through a lot of different schools are going through that same situation. So this year's recruiting class, we brought in freshman wise. Like I think we brought in people. like 11 guys. Yeah. yeah. So wow. super small class from us. And I know we were the smallest in the GLIAC, but that's just because like we're bringing a lot of guys back. Um, and so obviously got to honor those scholarships. So, um, you know, what has that been like for you guys? Cause I know I was looking and when you officially announced it, the team announced it 36 guys in that incoming class. Is that um, a pretty average number? Cause I was, I was kind of surprised it was that high based off of everything going on. Yeah, I mean, I think I came in with uh, just around that number. So that's okay. kind of been like the average. I know the class before them was a bit smaller, but we had a lot of positions to fill with guys leaving from jobs and guys leaving from the last year of eligibility with COVID and everything. So yeah. I know we had to fill some spots. So I believe that's the route they took there. There you go. And I saw that, uh, I think it was Coach Haynes was talking something about um, that they really, in this class, were emphasizing a lot on the defensive back position. Is that somewhere that uh, depth-wise you guys are trying to work on? That's what it sounded like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we have a couple guys, a couple solid guys, but um, we didn't really bring in any corners, I don't think, but we have some, some pretty pretty good safeties that we brought in. I know they're also talking about looking at Juco guys and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. Um, in this upcoming class as well, they're, I know they're, they're targeting that, getting a couple more actual true corners instead of like hybrids mm-hmm. um but yeah definitely and they also like brought in a very good class of linebackers as well so our good defense stuff. in the future is looking pretty good oh yeah no i i uh i met bimbo in person and that was uh that was enough for me that's a thick dude um but oh yeah <laughs> yep. but um as far as where our programs are at I mean, you know, not sugarcoating it, not coming off of great years either. So that JUCO right. idea or somebody who can come in and make an immediate impact, that's a real um, that's a real like opportunity for a lot of these coaches because obviously they are sick of losing. Like nobody wants to lose. They want to go out there and win. And it's just like that, like 20-fold because this is their career. This is their job. So I think that for us, I know we've brought in – not no, not like a ton, but we definitely had a couple a couple of guys come from either others like transfers or JUCO type guys that could come in and make a uh, an immediate impact. Now for you guys, I think like four or five is that what is that right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really good with the five. numbers, but um, for you guys, like you said, is that something that uh, you've seen a good amount of, or not quite yet? Uh, I wouldn't say too much quite yet. I know last year we had like three guys transfer in from Malone University when that shut down. Okay. Uh, this year, yeah, I didn't think about that. Huh. Yeah, this year we had a corner transfer from some Division two school that it's in, like, Pennsylvania or something who is going to make an immediate impact. Like, he's probably going to start game one. I mean, he's been go. phenomenal. Um, just a couple other, like, one slot from Notre Dame College that came in and then one from Toledo. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not really sure. I know they're still working, you know, still working on it with a lot of some you. of our best recruiting coaches. That's yeah, kind of been seriously. A little bit, but, uh, seriously. Yeah, that's one well, thing yeah, I that's, feel like a lot of people it. don't really realize because obviously the position group is huge, but there are other aspects that these guys bring to these staffs. And like you said, the recruiting piece of that is huge. So yeah. with not a lot of guys transferring in, then I would assume you guys got a pretty pretty tight-knit group because you guys have all been around each other for years. Oh, definitely. I mean, the chemistry is all there. and That's good. I mean, just definitely like my class in general, it's like we feel like as if we're the seniors because this would be – Oh, yeah. We're three-year guys right now heading into our fourth year in the program. That's true. And we probably have, like, majority of the players on our team in our class. So just the chemistry we have and how close we all are, just hanging out during football, after football, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, all that's just man. helping us grow as a team. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. Now, are you a Lions guy? 
NFL wise? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. I am. All right. There we go. There, because that's we're going to talk about a little bit after this. Um, and the the biggest thing that comes to mind is Galladay going out to the Giants on that huge deal uh. because you see that. Godwin gets franchise tagged. Uh, Robinson gets franchise tagged from the Bears. They're not making a ton of money. And you're like, oh, like, what's the deal from, from Galladay going to be? And he goes out and gets paid. He's getting $18 million uh, a year for the next four years. Like, uh, that was surprising. I mean, I mean good for him. Yeah. I mean, get paid. I mean, it, it sucks to see him go. Oh, 100%. I mean, he was phenomenal other than the couple injuries he had. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've loved to keep him with this new coaching staff and, this new philosophy, but yeah. I, I don't know, man. It sucked to see him go. It does suck. And so, like like you said, that injury and the things like that. And there were a lot of people that were coming out and saying that, you know, maybe Galladay isn't really as hurt as he makes it seem. I mean, shoot, as soon as, soon as Patricia was gone, the amount of guys that came out were like, this guy was a D-bag, basically, right? Yeah. Like, basically to the media and everything. There was no holding back. A lot of people are saying that Galladay was just kind of holding back. He did not really feel like playing for that staff. That... I mean, if he comes out and he's just like you know filling stat lines and doing everything, Matt Patricia's got to feel like an absolute idiot for destroying that locker. <laughs> yeah. I, that's just my opinion, but I just feel no like from what the guys have said about that, if you can't have guys in your own locker room endorse you, you have no chance in this league. And, and definitely a player of his caliber. And same with Darius Slay and Corbett yes. Quinn, all those guys, man. They hate him. So many quality players. I know it. <laughs> The coach, man. Especially, you would think like as a coach, even for like, okay, say you're not like the on the best terms with a guy like Slay or a guy like Galladay. These are like, especially Slay is a super outspoken guy. So if there's anyone that you want to be like, not to say like on his good side or like treat him with preferential treatment or whatever, but just like don't be an absolute, you know, you know what to this dude. Like, yeah. come on, just like treat him all right, man. Because you know, if you do something bad, as soon as you're not like affiliated with him anymore he's gonna come out and say something about you just be smart about it so i think right. patricia was a very average coach but he was just a worst like a worse people person and a worse businessman from my perspective yeah so, i agree completely 100 percent. it'll be interesting man who do you have them taking uh in the draft here coming up you know um a lot of, a lot of options be, here it's gotta be i mean losing kenny galladay we need a wide receiver i mean we just signed uh Parian or whatever from yep. the Jets. Yep. But I mean, I would love to see them get like Jamar Chase oh, or yeah. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. I mean, just somebody at that number six spot that's going to make an impact. And immediately. it sounds like they might have a chance. I mean, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith is definitely, I would say, probably a lock to go before them. But like you said, Jamar Chase and Waddle, like those are guys that have a genuine chance to possibly far, like, you know, fall that low. Um, people yeah. just forget about Jamar Chase, man, because he opted out. That dude was dominant and is oh, dominant. Dude, he was, he was sweet. <laughs> dude. Oh, yes, he was. Best receiver bro. in the draft. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> yeah. Even after Smith's he's championship performance, Smith. he's better than Smith. Man, I all, mean, yeah, he's better. He's all hundred, all, all one hundred and seventy pounds of him. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's nuts. That, he that is crazy that he's playing at that weight. But I mean, he just moves unreal, and he just yeah. the, the least intimidating looking dude too. But he'll just carve you up, and we'll eat you alive. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but no Brian, that's all I got for you, Damon. Man, I appreciate you coming on. All right, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, boss. I'll see you. All right, have a good one. Good conversation with our boy Bryant. Jimmy wasn't here for it, but Jimmy magically appeared in the dorm, and now we're gonna knock this thing out. So I know you were here, but Bryant was talking. We were talking a little bit about Galladay and how it was hard to let him go, but like. Um, between the Godwin franchise tag for the Bucks and then Allen Robinson getting franchise tag, I didn't think uh, Galladay was going to make that much money. 
But then he goes out and he's making 18 mil a year for the next four years, you know, 72 million uh, deal. That was huge. That's a huge pickup for the Giants for me. I'm upset. Oh, yeah. You're upset about Robinson or what? God, let they stay at the night of Chicago. For like a couple more days, he'd have been a bear. Really? Yeah. Andy Dalton and Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet. Cole Komet. Three Cohen. <sighs> what could have been? <laughs> Could have been. We're gonna talk about that Giants offense soon, but they're gonna have some weapons on the uh, offensive side of the ball. They really Danny, are. It's on Danny oh, Dimes yeah. now. It is. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that soon. Um, but Galladay, forty million of that is guaranteed. I think the most surprising thing with a lot of these contracts that have come out is the amount of guaranteed money. I don't think we see that a lot of times in the NFL free agency, but this year, more than most, we've had a good chunk of a lot of guys' contracts guaranteed. It's been really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a guy like Gallaudet, I mean, you know what you're going to get out of him. He, exactly. led, he led the league He's in receiving it. touchdowns, I think, last year. And then, obviously, the, the year prior, he was he was injured this, yep. this last year. But uh, yeah, you know what you're going to get out of Kenny Gallaudet? Go up, get, get the ball. I think I saw someone on PFF. Uh, he leads the league in contested catches over the last, like, two years. I did see that. Which yeah. is, like, huge. It's which like, is nuts. They always oh, yeah. say, like, a 50-50 ball turns into a 75-25. Oh, yeah. And you got a you get a guy like Gallaudet, it's like ninety and ten, you know. That's unreal. Yeah, yeah. It's but like that's a that's a number one deep target. Even when you had a guy like Marvin Jones for the Lions, that's still a number one target down the field. So that's someone that um, they were definitely missing. Now New York, they definitely needed a guy like that to go up and get the ball and to complement their offense. So that'll be really interesting. But head back to Detroit, like we talked about in the intro, we just signed defensive end Michael Brockers to a three year, twenty four million dollar contract. Eleven mil of that is guaranteed, so just almost half of that. Talented guy from L.A., but like I said earlier, the story has been what he said about Matt Stafford joining the Rams directly after they gave golf to Detroit. So when, he, when asked if Stafford was a level up, this is what one of the reporters asked him, he said, quote, in my heart, deeply, just understanding what Stafford brings, it's a level up. And so obviously, like, every single media outlet absolutely swarmed to that and was like, Michael Brockers hates Jared Goff. He hates the Rams. Like, I think, you know, should he have probably said that? I don't know. Maybe he was just speaking his mind, but he know like he knew at that time that he was probably going to be a free agent pretty soon, and that maybe Detroit. So was did a they possible, cut him? I thought he a, got traded. I I don't know, man. I thought he got traded to the Lions. I don't know if he did or not. Well, I don't either, think he did. Either way, I think I think Jared Goff even knows that Matthew Stafford is leveled up for him. Do you, you think so? I mean? Really? I mean, you get a guy like Stafford. He's, he's been in Detroit for what, like eight or nine years. And he took that team from zero and sixteen to what two or three playoff appearances when he was there. I mean. He's already on. He's on his way to the camp. But from Jared Goff's sure. perspective, yeah, Brockers got traded to. He Detroit. did. So we just finally agreed on the deal. Oh, he yeah. got. An ex- did he get an extension when he got? He got traded team? and got an extension. No, yes, there you go. So, um, this is very interesting. Because then again, you know, you don't you trade know. him to Detroit knowing he just said that. Man. Exactly. That's that's an interesting move from the franchise perspective. But from Jared Goff's perspective, going back to the conversation that we were having, like Jared Goff's a guy that's been there and done that in the playoffs in the postseason. So for him, I feel like if I were him too, a confidence level thing, he's like, yeah, I've been there. Like, you know, you don't need to take that in too personally about the whole Stafford. Like, you know, has Stafford been there? And this is coming from a Lions fan. Like, Stafford has not been in those situations. Has he performed very well for the Lions? Yes, he's been our dude. And I would love for him to still be in the Honolulu Blue. But from Jerry Goff's perspective, he's been there and done that in the postseason. Stafford's never been there. I mean, you he got more playoff wins than Stafford does. I think yeah. I think Jared Goff always was on better teams. You, oh, 100%. You know, like the Rams always. I, I think, the Rams had yeah, not even Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, all these these dogs on defense, and then Stafford's had who? Has <laughs> well, there been one notable Lions defensive player in the last decade? I mean, Darius you, you Slay. Like, yeah, Darius, Darius Slay, big, big play. So yeah, I'll give you that, and then we lose him. Oh yeah, where's he in Philly now? Yep. Yeah, yeah you know, but uh, 
I don't know. The Lions never had a great defense. I mean, obviously they had Megatron. He was throwing him for a while. Yep, but. of course. No, we've had some good receivers over the years and some good uh, – it's been the running back position that has kind of struggled in the offensive line because the amount of 100-yard rushers in Matt Stafford's career, I think you can count it on, like, two hands as far as how many games have had a 100-yard rusher. I think most and of those belong to Reggie Bush, too. I think so. I think a few of them are to him, and then DeAndre Swift's got yeah. a couple now. Him being mm-hmm. even a rookie. Swift's, right? Swift's a nice player. He's a He'll great player. He'll have a nice player. career. I think so too. So and it was it was uh, it was funny. I know you remember that week one oh, where he drops that pass. I so. loved it. Oh. Good lord, that was brutal. And I'm watching with a bunch of Bears fans, and it was just uh, that was terrible. And so you're I like, tweeted Mitch for president after oh, that. It's bad. Oh, I was all over the Mitch. I'm sure anyone Old that knows exposed. me, I was I was a Old big, big Mitch Trubisky guy. I mean, uh, <laughs> but I mean, seeing that my from guys, a rookie, you know, yeah. seeing that from a rookie, and you're like, man, like what is he going to do from that? Because you can go one of two ways from that. You can let that be detrimental, and a lot of guys. Uh, they would never try to, but you could let that really kind of snowball. But he really bounced back, and he became the dude for us in that backfield because you had on who had been inconsistent, kind of battling some injuries, on Johnson out of Auburn, and then he's in, like, his third year. And then you had Adrian Peterson there who just, like, was dipping into the fountain of youth for some reason. He came out and had a couple solid games for the Lions out of nowhere. I so, I don't know. It was really interesting for them. But um, as far as the draft – I wanted to talk about this because it looked like in the first, like, you know, a few months ago, everyone thought the Lions would get a quarterback for the first round, right? Because Stafford kind of aging out, whatever. Then we had this Jared Goff situation, and then the eyes started to look outwards. They started to look away from that. Um, but in Mel Kuyper's most recent mock draft, he didn't have uh, Penny Sewell being selected in the top six. So he's the stud offensive tackle out of Oregon who opted out of last year's season. He's actually the highest rated offensive lineman in this year's class, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so he didn't have him in the top six. So that was something that if that does end up happening, I feel like that would be maybe not a no-brainer for the Lions, but if he drops that low, that's someone we definitely have to consider. Another guy to consider is uh, Kyle Pitts from Florida. He ran a 4-4-8 at his pro day when, you know, Kyle Pitts is a large dude. He's technically a tight end. Mm-hmm. Even though Florida used him a lot of the time as almost a wide receiver, he's a tight end, and he's, he's moving that well. Um, now you say we still have TJ Hawkinson, and we still have uh, was it James, right, or whatever his Jesse name James. is, Jesse James. Yeah, So, but, you know, do we really need that? Is that a position that we really need to fill? Because Hawkinson is coming off of a Pro Bowl. Uh, Pro Bowl or so. Yeah, exactly. So, um, And he was the highest you know, voted one in the NFC, I believe. Yeah. Right? Because obviously at Kelsey in the AFC was the highest, but I think he was, was, was injured this year. So. Exactly. Yeah. It was exactly. Hawkinson, Evan Ingram, and yeah, Ingram was solid. Well, Bob Tanya got totally snubbed he from the did. Pro Bowl. Totally snubbed. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Now, that's going from a Bears fan too. Yeah. You know? Tanya yeah. had like what ten touchdowns or something. Something yeah. crazy, man. Because he's a stud. He led the league in touchdowns, I think. Yeah. Or at least I, NFC. Really? I didn't know that. But so we have Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts there. Excuse me. And um, the other QBs that could potentially fall to that spot. You have Justin Fields. Uh, guy like Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. I was, for me. I was just about to say, to me, if I'm the Lions, we're going quarterback. Yeah. Do 100%. you do you believe that I am not Jared on the Goff, Zach Wilson train? I am I am one hundred percent on the Zach Wilson You seen his tape? Are you serious? Tape. You know what I saw? I saw the game against Coastal Carolina. And that game. was that was the game that I decided I do not want him being my franchise guy. And I watched him before and after that. But that was like the deciding point for me. And I mean he got rattled in that game. Those guys had him all over the place. And for me, I watched that game start to finish. And I was watching him a lot because he was still getting a lot of conversation at this point. BYU mm-hmm. was undefeated. They were playing a lot of decent teams, like thumping some good teams. And I saw this kid, and I was like, he just did not look like he was in a place. And I know he's come, probably come a long way doing all of his training and stuff. And he's a very talented athlete. Like, I don't want to take that away from him. And he's a lot bigger than I thought he was. 
He's actually got a pretty good build to him too. Like I don't think six three two exactly. fifteen or something. Like I don't that. think people give him enough credit. Like he's got a decent build to him too. He throws the ball very well, but just for me up here, and I know they do a lot of uh, mental. I don't want to say examining, but I guess that's kind of the word for it. They'll have like mental coaches and stuff come in and examine these quarterbacks prior to the draft. I watched that same game as you in that fourth quarter. That young man balled out. I mean, the game was literally decided in what two yards. Where that guy got pulled back from the goal line by the coastal defender. Through a strike. Zach, mm-hmm. If if I'm the Bears, I'm trading up to get Zach Wilson. I love him forever. Really? So you take Wilson over a guy like Fields or Trey Lance? For sure. I would take Fields a million times over as a, a guy as like a him. As a pure passer, as a pure passer of the football, and okay. something that some teams need an athlete more but than they need a pure passer. I'm going to say, but think about this. The NFL is trending very much away from pure passers. With Drew B's retiring, we have Tom Brady in the last of his years. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be out in two years of the league, right? Maybe if that. Um, he's coming back for another one for Pittsburgh after his contract restructure. But the NFL is getting away from these true prototypical pocket passers. We don't have so many of them anymore. Zach Wilson not a pocket passer, but he's a better thrower of the football. But to me, okay, what what teams was Zach Wilson fit good on? You got to give him teams that have weapons already to where he could just put the ball in places. I think that was part of Tua's Carolina, problem. Carolina. Carolina would be Tua some. Tua caught a lot of flack because, you know, he didn't have too many guys to throw to. And, like, yeah. the situations sometimes he came in were not ideal. They just went and got Will Fuller. Yeah, so they did. They went and got him. He didn't get paid too much, though. They One got year, him for pretty 10 cheap. Million. Exactly. So it's pretty cheap. It, for a guy like Fuller, which he was the one, he was suspended because of some type of uh, PEDs. Yeah, which he would blame the doctor for. Do you, mm-hmm. you ever see that? Everyone blames the doctor. Everybody. Of course. Everybody. Doctor, Everybody. Doctor, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. Doctor said that uh, it was all legal. You know what you're exactly what you're getting yourself into. So that was interesting. But, yeah, for me, for Zach Wilson, I don't know if it's worth trading up, especially because I don't. he might just drop that low. Like, you know nah, what I mean? Zach Wilson. Like he might go two. He'll probably go two or three. Really? I mean, personally, as, as NFL GM, I would take Justin Fields over just over Zach Wilson. I agree 100%. Because here's the thing. The reason why I would do that is solely because of this. So, you guys remember that it was uh, the semifinal game against Clemson. He took a, a shot. Yeah, he took a kick right, out of shots to the ribs. To the ribs. He, he went to throw like seven touchdowns after that. Oh, my gosh. Just his toughness. And he, he beat that, that Clemson team. was they were, they were the number one, weren't they? Oh, yeah. I don't watch too. football. I watch tape. <laughs> Justin Fields is a one-read man. One read and he running. Justin Fields is an athlete, though. I think he Zach had, Wilson's he just the number. Four, what do you run a four four one? Mm-hmm. Don't don't get me wrong. Justin Fields is. He I would play, not man. be upset now, if the Bears got Justin. There you Fields. go. Now we haven't said anything about Trey Lance though, and the obvious glaring issue with his resume is that he has not played any FBS competition. And we know, like in this room, that like FCS is no slouch. But when you're not playing Clemson, you're not playing these teams. That's definitely something to consider. But I think a lot of teams have, uh, especially with the pro day opportunities and things, his stock has continued to rise, Trey Lance has. So. I feel like you just got to, if you can make throws as a quarterback, yeah. I don't think it really matters where you play. Any level? Yeah, if, if you and Trey Lance probably has the best arm of anybody in this whole class. It's just like, okay. I watched watch his pro day, NFL.com network. There you go. Or YouTube, I meant. And the throws he was making, it was, of course, it's Ross on air, but just mm-hmm. the velocity and how he can throw the ball in the whip. Like, I don't think anybody, Trey Lance, he has a chance to probably be the best quarterback in his class. There you go. I Over feel like Trevor every Lawrence? quarterback has say, a chance we, to be the we best. We haven't talked about Trevor Lawrence because he's I a lock. I think we know yeah. Trevor Lawrence's floor is a Pro Bowl quarterback. That's his floor. That's his floor. His floor. Wow. But I think everybody else... Put in the right system. You always got to remember, though, because there's a quarterback class, maybe not to this talent, 
But there's a good quarterback class just about every year. And out of those, say, you know, seven to nine guys that will go in this quarterback class, maybe two of them will end up being dudes. I feel and like whoever falls to, to Carolina will be a dude. And I'm, I'm still shocked at the fact that Matt Rule is getting away from Bridgewater and really starting to try and get a new quarterback because that's what it seems like the direction they're going, mm-hmm. right? And I'm really surprised. that I thought Teddy was going to be the future for Carolina. But Teddy's like 30 now. Yeah. So can't really, he is. And, and he, he don't have been, that strong of an arm. Yeah, he hasn't so. been producing the move, way he wanted. You know, I, the Teddy's dog, but like, yeah. is he like the dude? I mean, you got guys like McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, like DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. What were they last year like? Five and eleven, and I know McCaffrey. Granted, he was hurt. No, I think they were a little. Like, bit, they were a little bit better than I think. But I, I think yeah. they went like five and eleven. Yeah, because what they got like the seventh pick or something. Yeah, they got like the seventh. No, Detroit. The they, they didn't Detroit have a great seventh. year, but yeah, they got uh, the eighth pick. Okay. I think I think Trey Lance. I mean, I don't think Justin Fields will fall that low. I think I think it'll go Lawrence, Lawrence. Wilson, Fields, maybe Sewell, maybe Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, but uh. Top three I, I, would, I would love to see like an athletic quarterback and throw the ball downfield like a guy like Trey Lance yeah. in uh, Carolina. That'd be a great I think that's actually that's a good possibility of that happening. I'd agree with that. So I want to talk about the NFC East. We talked about the Giants a little bit earlier. They're making a name for themselves next year. They got Galladay signing, uh, a healthy Saquon coming back. It's going to be absolutely huge for them. So if they can fix those issues they were having on the offensive line. Remember that the offensive line was the laughing stock of the first couple weeks of the NFL season. So if they can make those changes and repairs to that offensive line with an addition like Kyle Rudolph from the Vikings, $14 million over the next two years, that's pretty cheap for a guy that has been making some huge plays. And they got a Dory Jackson. They did get a Dory Jackson as well. So... It's, you know, that's a three-year deal worth $39 million. That could go up to $44 million with all the incentives and his signing bonus. That's a lot of money. But, I mean, he has been playing at a pretty high caliber, and to bring him onto that defense, something that they needed a lot of. Is uh, is Eli Apple still in the Giants? From Ottawa, Ottawa, uh, I think he went, he got, I think he went to the Saints. He went to the Saints. He's yeah. the Saints, okay. And I yeah. think he got cut from the Saints. Did he really? Uh, they cut a he lot was, of people. Uh, yeah, well, the salary cap situation was not good. Um, but Eli Apple was like the the cornerback over there for a while, wasn't it? With the Giants, he was yeah, he was, was like, solid. Was like he was supposed to be. Like, he was like a top twenty pick, I think. Yeah, I know. So Ohio State's been like DBU basically. Yeah. Um, but anyways, talk about it's basically on the shoulders of Daniel Jones, right? The quarterback, a young guy who's shown a lot of talent. Even though sometimes he trips in the open field when he's on a long touchdown run, he shows a lot of talent, right? So basically, it's going to be on his shoulder. I think a lot of it has to do with the staff's shoulders as well. Because, yes, they're putting guys in the right place, but it's just about putting people in the right positions to win. And I don't think that's something they've done in the past, right? Prioritizing guys that you know are a priority, like Saquon. If they knew about these problems on the offensive line, they would have done something about it. They didn't do that. shows a little bit of a lack of initiative for me. So I don't really know. I mean, Engram's another guy. Like you said, he's Mm -hmm. a ton of talent in that guy. So between him and Rudolph, Expect a lot of production out of those two, but where do we see these uh, these Giants finishing up in the uh, in the East? First of all, they're going to draft Jalen Waddle. You think so? So you got Darius Slayton, or not Darius Slayton? Yeah, Darius Slayton. Yeah, Kenny Galladay. Yep. Sterling Shepard and Jalen Waddle. That's insane. That's a Kyle good, Rudolph yeah. and Evan Ingram. Ingram and Saquon and Saquon Barkley. On paper, if Daniel that Jones amazing. does not lead them to the playoffs. The Giants will be looking for a quarterback. This really? Time next year. So yeah, let's talk sure. about before we make a decision like that, though. Let's look at the other teams in the East because they're not the only team that's actually bouncing back. Yeah. And right now, we, we they haven't proven anything. Like but they suck. Their Everyone defense, sucked. Last de- year. They, I think they had like a top ten defense. I don't. Think the Giants. So oh, they did. The Giants had did a solid defense. The oh, yeah. Giants had like a top ten defense. And so, all those weapons around them, there's no way they don't think about this. Compete though. to win a division. Talk about a team that had a great defense, Washington. 
That yes. front seven from Washington was unreal. Yes, for and sure. And they returned a lot of those guys in that front seven. And their offense got better. A the lot offense better. got a ton better, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick's coming into town. They also re-signed Taylor Heineke, which was Can't awesome. Can't forget about Heineke. Cannot forget about. He's like a three-year, eight-point something million. Like uh, he's make, he's getting his money, but like he's going to be there, right? I don't think you know Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to need that, but if he does, Heineke's there. He can ball out if he needs to. Um, as far as other weapons, though, Curtis Samuel, he's rounding out that offense. They have a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Logan Thomas is a guy that I love. He's out of Virginia Tech. Yep, he was a quarterback, quarterback. in college. And then came and played in tight end, and he is dominant, like physically dominant. He's a great tight end, super underrated there. He's a man. Um, and then you have J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson in the backfield. Gibson is – I love Antonio he, Gibson. He was a wide receiver in college, I believe, yep. and they converted him to running back. And he has been an absolute oh, he had a great rookie year. Yeah, right. And he was banged up a bit too, I believe. It was what's an uh, ankle injury or something? Something like that, yeah. I found so out about Antonio Gibson on Thanksgiving when I had to play him in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> he ran for like 200 yards and three touchdowns. I had him. He's I a was, stud. I, was me. I did play against I played against him when Antonio Gibson did that and when Tyreek Hill played the Bucks. Man. And still won somehow. I don't know how. That's unreal. Tyreek Hill had like You had Derrick Henry. That's why. I did have Derrick Henry. Now, now weapon like 55 wise, points. Weapon-wise on the outside. What's uh, who's Washington's go-to guy on the outside? That's the Terry McLaurin. McLaurin, oh, yeah, scary Terry, yeah. of course. Okay, yeah. yeah, and they just signed Curtis Samuel. Yeah, Curtis Samuel is the one that. Yeah, that was definitely going to add to that. So, I mean, again, like a, a lot of these teams on paper, it sounds so good. And like you said, like you know, if they don't lead them to the playoffs, like this is going to be crazy. But then you think about the NFC, like that we're talking about the NFC East. There's a lot of like that these teams yeah, might actually be bouncing back. back. Dallas, too, exactly. You know? we'll talk about here Dallas, in a second. You know, yeah. Look at the NFC West, the most competitive division in football right now. And think, think about the NFC, the NFC as a whole. It's like if they get a quarterback, oh my god, look at them! I yeah. think that's half the NFC. Isn't that insane? San Fran. So for you to say like that's why I was coming back to like if Daniel Jones doesn't lead them to a playoff, like it's going to be tough to get to the playoffs in the NFC. Dude. I mean, it's tough in general wherever you're at in the league, but like the NFC right now is absolutely unreal. So Cowboys, Jimmy, right? Biggest plus for them, obviously, having back a healthy Dak Prescott, and not only a healthy Dak Prescott, but a paid Dak Prescott. Yeah. He's paid. He think like he's finally like belongs and like he's their dude. He finally feels like maybe he's been endorsed by the Cowboys because the, the longest time they couldn't figure out this negotiation. So he's on the long term deal. He's paid. He's healthy. Maybe no more sleep comfort commercials, but that's okay because he's getting his money. And uh, I think the Cowboys are going to have a chance to be really good. I mean, even when Dak came out, I think the stats was like he was leading the NFL in passing yards for the next like two weeks, mm-hmm. three yeah. weeks, even. I don't know. It, that's that injury insane. was gross. Man. I'm not that sold on Dallas. Disgusting. Gruesome. Why aren't you? I mean, their defense me, won't be good enough. Don't get me wrong. So defense. Their defense is pretty rough. Talk about the defense, though. Dan Quinn comes in as defensive coordinator, old Falcons head coach, and supposedly people speak very highly of Dan Quinn. He seems like a good guy and all the stuff that I've heard about him, mm-hmm. but people speak very highly. Mike McCarthy as a second-year coach there, too, right? So he's going to come in and have a little bit more experience. Then you've got Dan Quinn coming in. I think it's going to be a very different Dallas team. And I, am, for one, have never been really one to buy in on Dallas 100%. I just don't have not really seen it. I think this year they're going to surprise some people, though. I wouldn't put them at the level of the Giants or Washington yet, but I would say they definitely have a chance to be up there with those guys. Offensively, they'll, Dallas would be fine. Yeah, they got C.D. Lamb, Mari Cooper. You know. Oh, yeah. Defensively, though, I don't think they have it. Dan Quinn was a good defensive coordinator for the Seahawks, but that was such a long time ago. And he Very never true. had like a top defense when he was a head coach for Atlanta. Yeah. So that's like true. I'm not like I'm not sold on, oh my goodness, Dan Quinn they coming in and gonna get the de-, because they don't have like it's not that 
They yeah. have players on defense, mm-hmm. and they just weren't making plays. They don't have anybody on defense outside of like Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Smith, and um, what's his name? Uh, the uh, guy with the neck pad, Layden Van Der Esch. Van Der Esch, yeah, yeah. yeah Van Der Esch. You know who, them who used to play for the Cowboys? Jeff Heath. Remember that safety uh, for the Cowboys? Right? Yeah, Saginaw. Yeah. He went to Lake Orion High School, which is where I went. Oh. So I get to work out with Jeff in the summer sometime. He's playing with for the Raiders now. Yeah. So I loved watch. So that was my excuse to watch the Cowboys all the time whenever they're on. And you know the Cowboys are always on primetime. Yes, because yeah. of the Cowboys. America's team. You know, it's ridiculous. But that was my excuse to always watch them because Jeff Heath was out there just leveling dudes. So he was a, a big playmaker for them. He's a captain for him which is pretty sweet. Played there yeah. for seven years. Um, always got to get that plug in. You know what I mean? But sure. um, finally, the Philadelphia Eagles. I know we've been waiting for this one, right? Had to have been waiting for this one. The franchise seems to be in the worst shape out of the teams that we've all discussed right here. This one seems to be in the worst shape of the division. After taking the largest dead cap hit in NFL history at $33.8 million after the trade of Carson Wentz. That is a real stat. That is embarrassing. For me, I just think I cannot believe it's embarrassing it. that they gave Carson Wentz that much money. That's exactly what yeah, it is. It's so embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, and they had to make more moves to get below the salary cut by dropping some big names. So you have Deshaun Jackson and Elshon Jeffrey, who are both in their own right basically Eagles legends, right? You got to get rid of those guys, which it sucks, but really they haven't been producing in recent years. Deshaun Jackson, especially, like it's just a you know, it's it stinks to think about it, but he's really a memory. For a lot of people. Can't stay just, on the field. You really can't. The, the injuries they've been battling are a lot. And even when they are out there, quote unquote, healthy, I use air quotes for that because you never really know if they're banged up and just trying to fight through something. Mm-hmm. They have not been putting up the numbers that Philadelphia needs out of those guys to pay them that much. So the cap hits have been just absolutely brutal for a lot of teams. Philadelphia is feeling it too. So uh, the one upside I had for them was that the offseason was a chance to develop Jalen Hurts because I feel like he was kind of thrust right into the fire, right into the flames, which at times can be a good thing. For a guy like Jalen, I guess we'll see how it pans out. But like we said at the beginning, he apparently still is not guaranteed the starting quarterback job. I don't I don't understand. It's I don't, absolutely I don't get it. ridiculous. I don't get it. You I, said Joe Flacco just got signed there? Yeah, I mean, I, there's no way Flacco starts. There's not a chance. I mean, it, that, that would that's be Jalen the biggest team. slap in the face ever. For me, right? I think he would be like the first like quarterback with under five starts to ever demand a trade. <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? I feel like if you actually something had something like that happen, talk about losing a locker room. I think you'd lose the locker room so quickly. Because I'm sure a lot of those guys, I mean, Jalen's the dude that like just goes in and works. Remember when he left Alabama to go to Oklahoma and that mm-hmm. first video of him on the max squat day? 600 pounds. Just hungry. Unbelievable. And his boys were like ready to go. Like they're all in on the Jalen. You knew as the first day he walked in the door, they were all on the Jalen train. And then the Eagles are so crazy because like they painted this picture of it was Doug Peterson versus Carson Wentz. We yeah. only go keep one. Exactly. So, okay, let's fire Doug Peterson and trade Carson Wentz. So it's like. That's ridiculous. And they, like you say, Cut Alshon Jeffrey, cut Deshaun Jackson. So mm-hmm. now the only they really cleaned players. House. The only players I can name for their receivers are Travis Fulgham and Greg Fulgham, Ward. Yeah. So Travis, do they still have, have Zach Ertz? Is he still? No, they're around? trying to trade Zach Ertz. Yeah, I think I don't know. He might not. Yeah, that was Goddard. Uh, is there a back? Fulgham was the only one that I could really think of off the top of my head that like had made an impact on the outside. I mean, they got Miles Sanders. Sanders. Miles Sanders. Yeah, I got Miles Sanders. Okay, okay. They got Boston Scott too. I think yeah. still that shorter guy. He's, he can move a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, who's in the backfield for him? They'll go six and ten. Yeah, six and ten. Yeah, may, if it, that, we'll see. That for me, that's the team on the bottom of the NFC oh, East. Yeah, right they're now. definitely the. But the as basement. a whole, 
I, I'm personally very happy because literally it felt like this year, whenever there was a slow news day and I go flip on get up or, uh, you know, NFL live or whatever, if they don't have anything to talk about, what's the conversation? How bad the NFC East is. The NFC East is so terrible. Let's see who's the best of the worst. Mm-hmm. That was the conversation when, whenever there's a slow news day. So I'm just very happy that hopefully that's going to be gone and we can actually go back to focusing on like good football. And then the best of the worst played the Super Bowl champions better than anybody else. Isn't in the that entire insane? Playoff run. Isn't that insane? Right with the backup quarterback. Yeah. That's bull. And I remember when they got to that playoff game and all the Giants players just came to Twitter like, oh, that should have been us, blah, blah, blah. Like, bro. You saw that game. You had 16 chances. You had un- too many chances. And you saw that game and the way Washington played them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear anything. I do not want to hear anything. But um, that's about it for NFL. College football side of things. we got one big storyline today. Like we said in the intro, the first ever HBCU Legacy Bowl. Now, this was announced last week by the Black College Football Hall of Fame that this would be a game to showcase the best athletes at these HBCUs and give them the best opportunity to make it to the next level after college, whether that be the NFL, CFL, shoot, XFL, overseas, whatever it may be. They basically just want to get all these guys in front of pro scouts, in front of the right sets of eyes, and uh, just give them the best chance. Right? Because I feel like a lot of the conversations have shifted. A lot more attention has been placed on these HBCUs. But before that, I mean, personally, before all this stuff started coming out and the recruits started going to that, if you would have told me to define what an HBCU was, I would have had no idea. Maybe like a year ago. Would, would I mean? Would you have known? No, I don't. And I, don't, I, I think, think that's so. the best indicator of why something like this is, you know, maybe necessary or like it's a good idea because especially the dudes are gonna love this stuff too. So the game's gonna take place February twelfth, twenty twenty two, six days after the Super Bowl, right? So that's like that. It's actually a pretty good time, I think, too, because you're that's the best time. You're talking about the peak of football fandom, and then you have a little bit of a lull right after the season ends and all that stuff. And then you're like, every football fans are like, wait a minute, I got some football to watch? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? So I think it's a perfect time. And so it's going to be played at Tulane University, which is in uh, New Orleans, I believe. Yep. Um, and uh, it's actually during Black History Month, too, because it's in February. So that they, uh, I'm not sure if that was like 100% coincidence or like they planned that, too, no, or they something. Probably did they probably did, but. Um, pretty cool thing there. Um, they plan to invite out about a hundred players to compete in this game. So just a pretty cool idea, I think for me, but Doug Williams has been the main figure giving all these announcements. He's the co-founder of the black college football hall of fame. He played at Grambling state before his career in the NFL. He got a ring and won a super bowl MVP with the bucks. So there've been a ton of great players to come out of uh, HBCUs. You got guys like Walter Payton, Steve McNair, Michael Strahan, Shannon Sharp, Jerry Rice, ton of huge names. I didn't know. Like half those guys, where they, you know, I couldn't have named where they came from, right? Mm-hmm. Walter Payne went to Jackson State. Yeah. Yep. No, no, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and um, I just think it's really awesome that they're doing this. But um, we talked about Grambling State earlier. Grambling State apparently has like run that level of, maybe not run FCS because that's North Dakota State, but their league, they have absolutely dominated. I didn't realize that Grambling State was like insane. Yeah. They were pretty crazy for a while. That's and they sweet. were like, they had like come so close to shutting down their program too. Did they really? Yeah, for how about, recent was that? Like a couple years ago. Really? Because like, there's no funding for HBCUs. Mm-hmm. There's no funding at that's all. That's a shame, man. Isn't it? That's brutal. So that's what I was talking about um, with the Power Five. The Power Five. What separates the Power Five is that now, like when we're talking like HBCUs, like hundred years ago, like we're talking about schools that like some schools wouldn't let in black students. Mm-hmm. So they right? had no choice but to go to HBCUs. Exactly. 
right? So now you have power five schools and all these big schools that finally open up and do that. Then the funding just carries them, right? Mm -hmm. And so who doesn't want to go to the flashy schools that are going to win championships and do all this and that? So it's, it's really hard to, you know, to not understand from a kid's perspective, right? Like, why wouldn't I want to go there? Why would I want to go to HBC over this? Like, um, but now you're starting to see, I think it was like the number 11th ranked kid in the basketball rankings out of high school just committed to like Howard. Yes, I think I saw something about that. Yeah. And yes, yeah, some just huge talk, like, you know, mm -hmm. just absolute basketball stud. And people are like, it was a very mixed bag of responses. One was like, yes, good for you. Like, good for this. Like, this is awesome to bring attention to this, all this stuff. And then the other people are like, you're stupid for throwing your, basically throwing your career away. And I thought that was very interesting. Like, it's not like it's bad football, basketball, whatever. It is Division One. I. I feel like basketball is a leg like quarterback. If you can make a throw as a quarterback, it don't matter where you come from. Yeah, you can I make a like shot. You can make a shot. The rim don't move. If you can hoop, <laughs> you can hoop. You know what I'm saying? The perfect example of that is John Moran. Like, yeah. He's from Murray State. Yeah. Now he's just one of the most exciting players in the league. Yeah. I, mean, I, lo hoop, I love John You can hoop. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. No, Scotty Pippen. Where, where is he from? Like Central Arkansas or something like that? Yeah, some, yeah he's got an interesting some, story. Uh, Scotty Pippen, you know, yeah. Like everyone, yeah. Yeah, interesting story, man. But um, I think that's any sport. If you can play, they're going to find you either way. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. But we just talked about Deion Sanders, him, his team at Jackson State. Um, he's been a really good advocate for a lot of these schools, putting them on the map, making sure that kids know, like, this is actually a viable option. This isn't some, like, publicity stunt, whatever. Um, they actually had, I want to say it was some of a flooding or something going on in the area. So it was pretty cool. Like, Deion, after their win, was, like, you know, putting a they were asking about the wind or whatever. Like, all he was talking about was the area of Jackson. Mm -hmm. Like, wherever, where are they located? You know where Jackson State's located? In Mississippi. It's Mississippi. So, wherever that area is, they I were going think. through a lot of, like, hardship or something. So, he, all of that presser was just towards, like, yeah, we're going to get the guys back out into, like, the community, helping with this, helping with that. I just thought it was pretty cool. I'm like, pretty you sure know, Jackson's the capital of Mississippi. I might, I might be mistaken, but. Jackson? One would assume it's in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> like, that would, make, that would make sense. in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. Is that the capital? Yep. There you go. Geography B champion, fourth grade, Windsor Elementary. <laughs> Runner up in fifth grade. I almost went back to back. Select. Fun fact about me. Oh, yeah. Somebody I, called I, you Love my geography. Really? Oh, I love I it. couldn't have named the capital of Mississippi off my head. I don't know. For whatever reason. I just learned how to spell Mississippi probably like two weeks ago. Let's see it. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. You just gave him it, bro. You were tapping your foot to that, too. You had it on the beat. Oh, yeah. He's thinking about it now. Uh, that's all I got, fellas. Anything else? Any other good insight? Did I miss anything? Uh, uh, Bears gonna win a division. Bears gonna win the division. Yeah. Have you heard of a team called the Packers? Or uh, they're gonna have a drop off because they resigned Kevin King. Kevin really? King sucks. Yeah, that's very true. Kevin King, if you're listening, you're bad. <laughs> Listen, I, you know what I'm saying. We gotta talk about Andy Dalton. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know what I'm saying. Okay, we'll I wasn't, I wasn't too fond on the signing. But then when I look back at it, when I he gotta, played with the Cowboys, he was balling. If was. you really want to be I got a stat for you. I got a stat for you. All the Bears quarterbacks since like, what is it, like 1960 or 1980 or something compared to Andy Dalton? How many 4,000-yard passing? You guys see this? Zero. Zero. Andy Dalton's got two. Facts. Yeah. We finally have our 4,000-yard passer. That's Technically. Yeah. Here's right. what I'll say. Here's why I was really upset about the whole Andy Dalton thing. You know, like I'm, I'm a very passionate Bears fan. I mean, you guys, you guys know me for about a year or so, you know. Tasha's only for two. I had my heart set on Russell Wilson. Yeah. And when right. I saw. So did you see what they offered, right? Oh, I saw. Okay. Three first-round picks, mm -hmm. Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller. Yep. I mean. I would have gave I, it up. I, I would have, too. 100% in a heartbeat. Really? In a heartbeat, dude. In for a Russell or for Deshaun Watson. Or, I want Deshaun Watson more than I want Russell Wilson. I did, me, too. 
Well, I I thought Houston was saying, "Oh, we're not going to get rid of him. We're not going to get rid of him." I kind of like let that go, but like mm-hmm. there were there was a lot of hype around Russ going to the Bears, and I was like, "Well, oh, the Bears are going to get Russ." Like I like it was too much. Silly it was of like, me to like, oh, really? It wasn't just like Bears big, fans. How about like, big oh, cat tweets? Big cat, big cat tweets about like Adam Schefter like, yeah, every day. Yeah, hey Adam, why don't you do the uh, the Russells of the Bears tweet? I like I, I was like waiting that on one. it. I was oh. waiting on it, and then yeah. it's like Bears get their quarterback, Andy Dalton. Oh and I'm like, my oh my gosh. god! I didn't want to. I was so. I wasn't really angry. I was just sad. So yeah, sad. That, that's all it was. It was just sadness. It wasn't because anger. we were so close from Super Bowl contenders back to media. Media. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go five and eleven. Automatic contender with Russ. Super Bowl contender. Facts. Best best team in the NFC with Russ. Facts. Wow. Maybe mm, maybe Tampa. Think about the they fire. Still got Tom Brady. Think about yeah, the fire that that defense will play with. Tampa's knowing that they a got lot. an offense. Tampa's returning a lot, so it'd be hard to bet against them. But top. Top three easily with with Russ. I, I don't agree. think Tampa will go back to back. No, it's hard to go back. It's, to oh, back. Tom's trying to run it back. back, back. Tom's trying to run it back. Man, it is hard to go back. We to will back. see. If there's one guy that could do it. It's Tom Brady. I mean, he's done it before. I mean, I dude. If there was any debate before this year, it's gone. No, it, that there hasn't that been run a, there was hasn't absolutely been a I know, years. but people will hold on to a debate forever. So. Uh. Yeah, but that's all we've got for today. Thank you for listening, Division One Rejects. Check us out on Twitter at D One Underscore Rejects, Instagram at Division One Rejects, and please. If you even somewhat remotely enjoyed this, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever. But like I said it before in the intro, if you didn't enjoy it, I don't know why you're still listening, but please don't go anywhere near that review box. I don't want to hear any of it. Appreciate you. Have a great week.